look at the beginning of time where God began to speak to Moses and the children of Israel. He gave the Ten Commandments, and it was all about the first four was a relationship with God, to love God with it, you know. And then the, the, the second six were all about us relating to people. And then when Jesus came on the earth, he, he, you know, he wrapped them up in two, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what I want to do is I want to look at a portion of scripture that a lot of people, you know, you ever hear that same lie? We just fell in love. That's like falling in a ditch. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I can fall in a ditch, but you know, it has nothing to do with love. And we know that love sometimes, I remember the first time I saw my, like I noticed my wife, I was like, man. And you know, God gives an attraction gift. Come on. It's not the devil. He created it. And then sometimes you go, wow, she looks so good like a ripe grape. I better pick her before someone else does. And, you know, and I can remember those, just, just those moments. And, 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 you know, for us is that, you know, when, when you go to weddings, the, 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 the chapter, we all, you always, people always read chapter thir- 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about it's the, it's the chapter on love. And so, you know, you'll hear it all, and then when you, and, and the funny thing, they read it and they talk about what it is, but most people forget even what it said after they get married. It just sounds good. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you a little bit, if we can just go on the screen and put up 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 7 and 8. And uh, so what I want to do is, that's Colossians, but do you have 1 Corinthians 13, it should be the first one. If not, I'm just going to go ahead and read. But it just says this. It says, love always protects, and it always trusts, it always hopes, and always uh, uh, preserves, and then perseveres, and love never fails. So when you let God work in your life, you'll be able to do more than you think you can. Come on. And sometimes we get to a place is that, you know, great relationships, great relationships are possible if you let God do a work in your heart. That's the only way you can have great relationships with anybody. And, 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 and so, you know, the, I want to give you some ways to make love last. And so, you know, Tracy and I, been, my wife and I, we've been married 34 years on, in August. On August 4th, we'll be 34 years. That's a long time. Come on. You know what I mean? Y'all, okay. Thank y'all. Y'all clap for Tracy more. She's had to put up with more than I have. And so it's awesome. I mean, but, you know, sometimes it is hard to live with an angel because at night her halo glows and it lights up the room. And, and I'll go in the cabinet. Her wings hit me sometimes. So anyway, just and, and so it's just hard to be married to an angel. But but, uh, you know, I, and I, the thing I think about during this time right now, this time of the year was a time uh, 34 years ago that I asked my wife to marry me. I got engaged. It was actually in March, beginning of March. And I know it's February, but it's close to this time. So it makes me. And so one of the things is, is that we have learned. I believe this. Tracy and I have learned a few things being married this long. And then, you know, they say that most marriages between year five and nine are the most difficult years of marriage. And because what's happened is you've transitioned in to start having children. And, you know, you know how it is. You never argue until you have kids. Come on. 
Because that means someone's getting up at night. Someone's going to do something and you got to do a little bit of serving and sacrifice. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so what happens is, is that you begin to find out what you're made of. And you know how it is when you have one, it's easy. You got two on one, two parents on one. And then you have two that's it's one on one. And then you have three. You got to play zone. You know, there's always a loose cannon somewhere. And, and, you know, and it's like, where, you know, like Nathan's our fourth child. And it was my wife. I can remember she goes, where's Nathan? He was always somewhere. You know, we had to lock doors and he was gone. You know, he was just, I don't know what it was. But what happened is if, if I could just, if I, here's, here's what I'd like to do. If I could just sit at a table with you today and we could just have a discussion. This, there's five things I tell you what you need. Okay, in your relationship. Okay, is that all right? So the first thing I would just want to tell you is the first thing is, is this: make a covenant commitment. And and here's the thing: not many. When I say covenant, not a lot of people understand the word covenant. And I'm going to come back to that toward the end of my message. But you know what? Everybody values commitment. There's something about value and commitment. You see, you only need commitment when you don't know what to do. Are you hearing me? That's when you need commitment. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. You don't need commitment if you like what you're doing and who you're living with. You see, there, there's going to be days that are going to be very difficult in your marriage. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody want to say amen about right there? Okay. And so there are going to be difficult days and that's okay. But see, you can't, you can't have a great marriage until you get the option of the divorce out of your mind. In fact, you know, I, I know this. I mean, I've been married. I'm not going anywhere and she's not going anywhere. And sometimes when we get in a fight or a little argument. Sometimes I just, hey, look, I'm not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere. Why don't we just make up? <laughs> I'm serious. And hey, making up's good. I like making up. And all you married people know what I'm talking about. Anyway, you're just making up. And what happens is, is that because what happens, you, you may as well do that. The second thing I want to talk to you about is you got to learn to celebrate your differences. You see, by God's design, men and women are different on every level. I don't care what psychiatrists say. I don't care what people are trying to do that, you know, we're the same and you can have all these changes take place. You're not the same. And see, you know, Tracy and I are polar opposites. Okay, what do you mean? I want to dispel the, com- the compatibility myth, okay? Here, here's, you don't need to be, you see, I don't need to be married to me. Because if I was married to me, I could just get along with me. But I'm not married to me. You need someone you're married to that's different than you. Okay, let me give you a couple examples. Tracy likes to ride bikes. I don't like to ride bikes. I've never found a bicycle seat that's comfortable for my butt. <laughs> Be honest with you. You know, and I was glad when they came and told me that my bike got stolen. Praise God. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's one less. You know, I mean, she likes to hike and go on walks and go adventure. And, you know, my, my idea now, like I did all that when I was a kid. I go, look, I'll go, hi- I'll go camping with you, but I ain't sweating in no tent. Amen. You want to go sweat? You go sweat. I'll get a cabin. 
You tell me how it was, you know what I mean? If we're going to go down trails and stuff, baby, I'm distracted. I'm a very distractive kind of personality. You're looking into all the things and seeing the trees and the colors. I'm looking at squirrels. I could, heal it. I could kill him. I mean, I could catch that. I can take that out. That looked good on my wall. You know, and it just won, you know, and, you know, and he's like, she runs out of clothes. That means she got to go shopping. I run out of clothes. That means they're just dirty. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're opposites. We're just complete opposites. Either you let it irritate you or you can appreciate the differences God's given you in your marriage. Amen. You got to learn. And, and that's one thing I do. I appreciate what my wife brings into my marriage. I, she appreciates those things, you know, and it's like there's this thing. She's wise. She, she thinks things through. She has a friend. That friend is just her friend. You know what I mean? And so the third thing I want to talk to you about, too, is we sit in the table. The, the, the third thing is you got to work on communication. They say that the, the average marriage, the average marriage, listen to this, listen to this, this is, I'll slow down in my way I'm talking. The average communication between a, a husband and a wife is four minutes quality time in America. That's not enough. It's just not enough. If you can have a real relationship, you know, they say that women speak about 30,000 words a day and men speak about 15,000 words a day. And what happens is, is I speak all my words before I get home. But sometimes when my wife, my wife was at home raising our children and she was going, nah, 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 nah. <coughs> she had 29,995 words waiting for me when I got home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so what happens is we, we do, and what you have to do is you have to learn to communicate. And so two of the things that Tracy and I try to work on constantly is our scheduling because she's ministering to pastor's wives now she's doing things with women she does uh inner healing with women classes and and she's doing all these other things and you know uh, and, and and it's like what happens is is that we have to schedule things you know mondays that's pretty much like a pastor's sabbath day and on mondays we try to do a little lunch date we went out friday night it was great we just had a great time and just just enjoyed each other you know, and just had conversation and we didn't have to talk about the kids. We didn't have to talk about other things, but we talk about schedule. We talk about finances. Those are important because your wife wants to know she can feel safe, secure, and she can be successful. And sometimes, you know, it might not be everything she wants to hear, but let me just say this. It makes her feel safe that we're talking about it. Does that make sense? And so what has to happen is you have to communicate. Communication is so important for your relationship. Man, let me give you, I want to give you the four most romantic words in the world to help you in your relationship with your wife. Listen to me. Here it is. And then what happened? (laughs) Then get ready. Come on, ladies, I'm trying to help you. The next thing I tell you is that is you got to feed your romance. You got to feed it. You know, we just had Valentine's. Hopefully you took her more than the Burger King. You know what I mean? But here, here's the thing. All 
romance is like putting fire, a, a log into a fireplace. A fireplace will not have fire by itself. You got to put the logs in. You got to strike a match and there it takes effort. Are you hearing me? And so what happens is you got to feed the romance. It doesn't just happen by itself. The fire will go out. All romance burns out. You see, it's not the fireplace's fault. It's just that you don't have a fire. And for us is that we need to constantly, you know, be tending to the fire of romance. Hello. What does romance mean? It doesn't mean you get in bed and whatever happens. Romance is all the stuff before you get there. Amen. And see, what happens is, you know, you know, it's like all romance burns out. It's not the fireplace's fault. You don't that you don't have a fire. You got to go back. You got to stoke the coals. You got to put more wood on it. And you constantly got to be maintaining that fire in your romance and in your marriage. Amen. See, ladies, the last time you said turn off the lights and lock the doors when his parents drove up in the driveway. I've been waiting for that one all week. That's funny. I don't care what you said. <laughs> Tracy and I are very intentional in this area. You don't base it on your feelings. If you do, get ready for a train wreck. Get ready for failure. And the fifth thing I would tell you is this. You got to put Jesus at the center of it all. I'm not just saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm, it's, it's true of every part of your life. If you're not, if you're going to leave God out of the process that he created, it's bound to fail. You know, when Jesus talked, uh, there's a Psalm 127 verse one, it says, unless the Lord build the house, it's labor, it's builders labor in vain. It's going to crash and it's going to burn in order for relationships to work. Let, let the one who designed them define them. Whoever designed it has to bring definition to your marriage. He's the one. Look, if you don't know the God of this book, let me just tell you something. It's all you got to do is begin to open it. Well, I don't, Pastor, I just don't understand it. Get you the NLT. Get you the message version. There's, there's versions out there that you can understand. You don't have to read thou, them, them, they, or whatever. You know? What you can do is they have versions of this of the Bible. And listen, I read the Bible every day. I don't read the Bible to get a message because I'm a pastor. I was reading the Bible before I was a pastor trying to get it's my lifeline. Are you hearing me? It's like the log in my relation. It's like putting in the, the putting in the romance between me and God. I read five chapters a day. That, and that, that's not to condemn you. That's just my discipline. Are you hearing me? I need that in my life because I know Bubba. I know where I leak. Come on. And I need something to constantly fill me in my life. And let me tell you, the word of God is the very thing that will help you in marriage. This, this is a love manual to teach you how to, how to stay married, how to love your wife. The Bible says in Ephesians, it says, how do you love your life? Christ loved the church and he's willing to lay down his life for the church and the Bible. And my question is, husbands, when's the last time you laid down your life for your wife? Thanks for all those amens. When's the last time you just died to your desires and your and what you thought you needed to do? See, God defines relationship, you know, much different. You know, it's called covenant. And that would be the first. 
That's a single, it's a single word, but most people don't. It's not a casual or convenient commitment. It's actually my first point. Now go with me to Malachi. It should be up here. Malachi chapter 2. And it's the last chapter in the Old Testament. You actually go about a page or two over and you're in Matthew, the first, the, the first gospel in the, New, in the New Testament. And when he, God's speaking to, the, to, the, to marriages, he's speaking to relationships. Are y'all with me? I'm in the right church. Okay, I'm trying to, he said this, he says, and here's God. He's just kind of speaking. And he says, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. In other words, you can bawl your eyes out at church and you can be at the altar to church. He says, you weep and well because he no longer looks with favor upon your offering or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. And he goes, why? What's the reason God didn't accept your offering? Well, there's something going on. There's something amiss. There's something just not happening in, in this relationship. Are y'all follow me. It's because the Lord is the witness between you and your wife of your youth. You. And he said, you've been doing it your way. In other words, how many of you know when you do it your way, it just don't work? Have you ever made that statement to your wife? We're going to do it my way. I've been guilty of that. Then I think about it. Wait a minute. If I'm leading, I'm trying to hear God. I don't need to be doing my way. I need to be doing it his way. And I'm not trying to be spiritual. I'm just, it's a fact. And you see, and you see, he's on the front porch. I believe this. God's on the front porch waiting for you to make the move. I talked to someone the other day. I said, you know what? You know, they were talking about, hey, this and that and doing this. And I said, well, listen, man, you may go and do your own thing, but I want to let you know the lights on and the back door is always open. You want to go do your own thing, but I just want to let you know the back door is open and the lights left on. You come anytime. I believe God's on the front porch of our, of our relationships, especially in our marriages. He's watching and waiting for us to come around and do it his way rather than our own way. And that's what he's saying right here. And he said, he said, he said you have been unfaithful to her the, through, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. There's that word, covenant. He says, has not, the Lord, has not one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your. In other words, watch out. Watch over your marriage. Watch over those things. There are little thieves that will come to rob you of of joy that you get in your marriage. There'll be temptations. There'll be ways that you want to feel, things you want to say. And you got the Bible, where the Bible, even the Bible, you know, the Bible says we don't even know our own hearts. That's why, that's why God says set a guard around your heart. When I think about a guard, I got a, I got a big old 10 foot angel with a sword going, come on now. And sometimes I'm a little stupid. I said, Hey, pimp slap me if you have to help me, help me get back in the game. And so what happens is godly offspring, he says, says, the man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. See, Jesus is saying this kind of relationships 
He, it's the kind of relationship he wants you to have. If you look in Luke chapter 22, it's, he's at the Last Supper. And what happens in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my what? Which is poured out for you. Isn't it amazing the best relationships possible are usually bud relationships? You see, have you ever noticed how, how much easier... It is to be faithful to someone who you're blood related to. That's where they say blood is thicker than water. You see, uh, we, we, I believe this. We go to the ends of the earth for our kids, don't we? Because they're blood related. Now, our spouses aren't blood related to us. Come on. I'm sorry. She's not. And that's where some people just go, you know, it's not convenient anymore. And see, I believe this is that he will go to the ends of the earth for your kids. You know, that's why our mate, you know, our, our, our kids are blood related. But, but see, I've never met a parent who would not go to the ends of the earth for their kids. Come on. They'll just go to the end of the earth. I, I, I remember reading a story one time of a guy going to death row and the mother wrote a letter. And she says, it's not my boy. She began to explain all the things she saw in her boy. But see, she saw something that no one else saw because she had a mother's heart. You see, in, in some cultures, I remember growing up, I used to watch Bonanza and, you know, I used to watch, uh, you know, just different Westerns. Uh, uh, you know, I watched, I was sick the other day, so I, I read all I could and I read, uh, I, I, I watched one of those movies, uh, Liberty Balance. I don't know if you ever like with John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart and they had, uh, I forget his name, the, the guy that was uh, Liberty and, and uh, he was actually a World War II hero and not many people knew that. And it's like how they had to stand up to him and everything. But I remember movies like that because it was just like you saw bravery, chivalry, you know, sacrifice, willing to lay down your life for someone. And I remember those times when, you know, you'd look, watch those movies and you'd go, hey, we become blood brothers. You hancho, I'm pancho. You remember that? And they'd cut their arms, their, not their arms, but their hands. And they'd put them in, and they'd wrap that around and let the blood mingle and, and now we're blood brothers. I did that with a few of my friends growing up. You know what I mean? We, your mom, your mom, what is that? Well, I came blood, oh my God, get the McCarricombe. Anyway, just, you know what I mean? You know, I mean? you know, get the monkey blood. No mama, not the monkey blood. Anyway. And so what happens, you know, in our culture, you know, we, we look, we don't see that as me, but let me just say that. How many of you have ever, I have, I have six kids. I have five boys and have one girl. And I've had those nights where I've gotten phone calls. And the phone call you don't want to get. Come on. And you show up at the scene from the phone call and just long enough and you're thinking, all right, God, help me. Because the first impression I make is going to be the most, the most important impression that I make. Are you hearing me? And you get to the scene, they have some parents. Well, I send you to boarding school, beating them and all that. That's it. You know, they send them off on a on an island of of uh, how, uh, just isolation island. You know what I mean? We're not dealing with you. And I remember going to one of my one of my sons and one of my children, and I just said, and I'm not going to tell you who it is or anything like. I'm not, and, and I'll tell you in about three or four years. I can finish the story, but I remember going to them and said, "What do I do?" And you know what? I felt like, you know, you need to go there with the biggest smile. It's going to be hard. 
And when I looked at them, I said, hey, let me tell you something. You need me more than you've ever needed me before in your whole life. And I love you more than I've ever loved you in my whole life. Come on. And God can, God's doing that work. God will be faithful to you no matter what you've ever done. And some days you're going to need him at your worst day. And God's going to look at you and speak to you. You know what? You need me more than you've ever needed me before. And I love you more than I've ever loved you before. Amen? Amen. That is the heart of God. You see, that should be the heart that we should have toward our mate. Because you know what? They're going to have things that they go through. They're going to have things that they face. And and you need someone there on your worst day. Come on. And see, the three, I want to show you three differences and I'm going to be done, okay? Here they are. Three different. Covenant is based on mutual commitment. Covenant means I'm willing to be unhappy while, you, while we're working on it. You understand me? I'm committed to you, even if I'm unhappy for a little while, because we're not basing on the way I feel, but I'm committed to you. You see, a, a contract is based on mutual distrust, Contracts all about protecting themselves. When you have your, when you sign for your house, come on. It's a contract. It's not a covenant. Because the bank wants you to know if you miss a payment, we're protecting ourselves. That's why you need insurance. That's why you need these things. And you know what? If you don't make enough payments, we're coming to get, it's our house, not yours. You understand me? You see, that's why we say, till death do us part, in one term of, the, of my marriage vow. Come on. Go, till death do us part. Because see, let me, marriage is all about this. Look at me. It's a covenant. That's a covenant right there. Till death do us part. So that means, you know what? There ain't no way out but the grave. So that means, well, I've never used the word divorce, but I have thought about murder. Come on, just be honest with you. You see, I believe this is it. So, so here's the next thing. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. I'm here to serve you. That's the heart that Jesus had. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to love you. I'm here to show you. I'm here to point you to the way that you need to go. That is a, that's the covenant God that Jesus made with us. You see, a contract protects rights and, and, and shucks responsibility. See, when I went into my marriage, it was all about a covenant. And I didn't go in it for me. I went in it to serve my wife. I went in it to serve her. And she did the same toward me. You see, covenant has the interests of the other in mind. Where contract has as a personal convenience in mind. You do what's best for me. See, I heard this saying, the greatest, I heard that there's a great, he said, the greatest relationship in the world is when you have two servants who are in love. The worst marriage in the world is when you have two masters who are in love. That's the worst. 
Because what happens if you're a master, I mean, you, you can't love me if you don't do this. You can't love me if you got it. It makes demands. You hearing me? What, what messes up marriage? I'm telling you, woman, you better be doing this. Can I take, listen, if you were a stupid man, can I give you advice? Don't be stupid. I remember I was in high school my senior year at Our Lady of Fatima, and I had Miss Zinner as, as my current events teacher. And so we were going through current, current events, and I'm a big hunter, and, and sometimes I'd go to hunting before I'd go to school or do something like that. And she was one of those later classes. And I remember one day I'm looking at her, and I go, I go, let me tell you something, Miss Zinner. And I'm just proud little puppy. You know, when you're in high school and you've never been married, you can say stupid things. And I looked at her, I said, one day I'm going to marry me a woman. She's going to clean my birds and cook them for me. And y'all looking at me like, she looked at me. And she just goes, oh, Bubba McCann, if you only knew. Really what she was, really what she was, Shad, you stupid. You were stupid. See. You may say, well, Pastor Bubba, you don't know my marriage. It's not doable. You, don't, you haven't gone through what I've gone. You're right. You can't do it on your own without God. You can't. Here's two final thoughts, and I'm going to be done. Now, let me just say this. The principles, if you have gone through a divorce, I'm not trying to get, get on you. Don't go, to the, don't go to the past. God's forgiven you. It's time to go on. You know what? Everything's been covered by his blood in your relationship. We're not here to condemn you. You know, it just, it didn't work out. And many of you had situations before you knew Christ. And after you knew Christ, all of a sudden things begin to change. Are you hearing me? So I'm not here to beat you up. I'm not here to put you down. I'm here to say, hey, listen, the past is the past. And we don't live in the past. You know, if I had a sign, I'd put this on my desk. Today is the day. I don't have to worry about what happened yesterday. I'm, tomorrow's too far along, but I need to be concerned about what God's speaking to me today. Are you with me? And so what happens is, here's two thoughts, and I'm going I'm to wrap this up. Love is not a feeling, it's a choice. If I followed my feelings, look at me. If I followed my feelings, I wouldn't be a pastor. I'm just telling you the truth. Jamie, come on. I'm trying to help you out, man of God. There's just some days I don't feel like it. And sometimes there's days that, Lord, you take all them cool people that you put in my ship. Let the ship sink because I don't want to be a part of this anymore. There's some days you don't pay me enough. Can I just be honest with you? And in some days you pay me too much. But see, I can always go back to doing what I was doing before, before I was a pastor, because I was doing what I'm doing right now before I was a pastor. I was loving people, ministering to people, trying to help people in their relationship with God, pointing the direction to them, being like a guide. You see, it's love is not a feeling. It's not like the Boston song, more than a feel. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go my top 10. You can get them after at the end of the service. Okay, it's 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 a choice. If I follow my feelings, see, love doesn't give the love doesn't give the person what they deserve. It gives them what they need. 
That's what love does. I've learned this, and this is, this is free. The most mature person in your marriage is the, first, is the person that's willing to say, I'm sorry first, or humble themselves. That's the most humble person in your marriage. And if your marriage is jacked up and you got time and you got things and cobwebs and there's just stuff that you've built up along the way, it's a time to go back and say, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. I'm, I see that I've been basing on how I feel rather than the decisions I need to make. I've learned this. If you make enough right choices along the way, the feelings that come. I'm, let me just say this. I told someone this week, I said, listen to me. When I was 20, 21, 22, 23, I was making decisions that were different when I came to know the Lord. And because I begin to make different decisions and I can see all my friends where they've gone, I'm reaping the benefits of those choices that I made when I was young. Are you hearing me? I'm receiving them in my marriage. I'm receiving them with my children, you know. And see, Colossians says it like this. In all these virtues, look at, you got to see this. In all these virtues, what does it say? Put on, put on. I mean, you got to put it on. Can I just want to say something? I'm so glad you all got dressed this morning. I don't want to see you naked. And you don't want me to see me naked. But what happens is you got to put on love. You got to put it on. It's not, it's not, oh, it's a put on. No, I'm not saying what I'm saying. You put it on. In other words, it's not, not feel it. You put it on, which binds them together. Choices lead and feelings will follow. Can I just say, choices lead and feelings will follow. It was neat. Last week, I had a young guy come to me at the end of the service. And he said, man, Pastor Bob preaching Jennings. And we had a big crowd. And he comes up to me at the end. He goes, Pastor Bob, man, that was so good. That was so good. He said, I just got out of jail two days ago. So me and my girlfriend, I mean, she's been there for me. And and you know what? I want to do the right thing. We want to get married. And I said, he said, how do, how, do we do that? how do we do that around here? And I said, well, you need to go through some premarital classes that we have, at least four of them. And then, man, we'll, we'll, we'll marry. He, said, he looks at me and goes, this is going to be my church. And I said, let me tell you something. I'm so glad. I'm so glad because you know what? You can sit on the front row because you're the people that we want to love and we want to help. And that we want to see their lives get come together. And that your life and your marriage will just be a testament of what God can do in a person's life. Because can I tell you something? I don't care where you come from. I don't care what side of the bayou you're from. I don't care if you're the Boudreaux from the Nepeke side, the east side. Or I don't care. Are you hearing me? I believe this. When you come to a place like this, where you have pastors that love, let me tell you, Jamie and Cheryl love people. They wouldn't be what they're, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing if they didn't love people. Are you hearing me? They just wouldn't. You look at their family. They had a great family. That doesn't mean they're perfect. They're not asking you to emulate everything they do. But I know this about them. If they, if they, if they have a situation or circumstances they can't resolve, they call me and Miss Tracy. 
Come on. I mean, the worst thing Cheryl can do to Jamie is I'm calling, I'm calling Pastor Bubba. Jamie, go, I'll repent. <laughs> no, let's get it right. And he's a bigger man. That bigness doesn't mean anything. Submission to love means everything. See, and let me just wrap this up. In it. The capacity to love comes from the fact of receiving love. In other words, I need, I need to receive God's love on my worst day. I need to be loved. Why do I get in the Bible? Because I'm in a love relationship. And he might just want to speak to me. My, you know, sometimes we think, well, God's got the word. He's got to tell me this. He's got to tell me that. I need, sometimes God just wants you to draw near to him because he says, just wants to tell you, I love you. I like you. And we don't believe that about ourselves. Have you ever done that? Just gone to your mate and just, my wife came up to like a week ago or something. I'd been hurting and she just, she snuggled up to me and I go, wow, what did I do to deserve this? And she goes, I just love you. I like you. And I go, hmm. I like you too. But see, sometimes, you ever have that with your kids? You just want to tell them you love them? I love you. I was dropping my little girl off at school the other day, and Nathan was with me, and I go, I go, all right, and I pray for her every morning before I drop her off. Lord, protect her, be with her. She has a broke foot, so I'm praying her, God would heal her foot and everything else. And, and so I'm at the end. I said, all right, give me my kiss. She goes, oh, Dad, don't I have to? And kids, all go, they all go through that stage because we're getting close to the campus. I said, well, you have a choice. You can kiss me now. I'm going to get out of the truck, hug you, and give you a big kiss in front of all your friends. You go, all right. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about it. And we're, we're about, I think we're about uh, six weeks away from Easter, something like that, five weeks away from Easter. I've been thinking about what Jesus did on Easter for you and me. And when I think about that, I mean, we know what they did. They, they blindfolded him. They hit him, prophesied now. Who hit you? They plucked his beard. They, they, put his, they put nails in his hands and his feet. He did all those different, they did all those things to him. And you remember what he said? Father, forgive them. For they don't even know what they're doing. And I think sometimes in relationships, we get to a place and, well, you did this and you did that and you did this. And sometimes, can I just tell you something? In the midst of what we say and what we do and how we react, we don't even see what we're really doing sometimes. And as the mate, we have to be willing to say, God, I forgive them. And I know you do. You see, think about how much he loves you. Start thinking about that. Can I just tell you this? Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. God loves you. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You know what his joy was? You. Me. You were his joy. For the joy. For the joy set before him. He didn't die for religion. 
He died for you, a person, to reveal himself. I just want to pray this prayer over you. and It's in Ephesians, and it's going to be my prayer over you. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, 18. And let me just pray that. Just I want you to do this. Just lift your hands. You can keep your eyes open. Just get, keep your eyes open. I'm going to pray this prayer over you. I'm going to read it. And it says this. And I'm going to pray this over you. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your heart. Living with you and you as you trust him. May your roots grow deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And you, may you be able to feel and understand. How long, wide, deep, and how high his love really is. And experience this love for yourselves. 